You're listening to the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast. Today I am joined with a brilliant SEO Sherpa. His name is David Finberg, and he has been featured on CNN. He's been featured on Fox News, ABC News. Um, this guy has been building websites since he was roughly, what, nine years old, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I'm so happy to have you. That's so great. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. Um, I can't wait to pick your brain. So now, wait a minute. If you've been making websites since you, since you were nine years old, does that mean that you have a little bit of HTML coding experience with, like, um, uh, you know, uh, MySpace, the, the classic, amazing MySpace? Yes, MySpace. Um, you know, you had the the you know different animations and things you could do. Um, did a lot of GeoCities and AngelFire, which was kind of like the free like website builders back in the day. So a lot of like you know old school HTML. Um, obviously, things have changed quite a bit. That was really where I got my my start. I was just like making websites for my grandfather and friends and family, and you know sell them for twenty bucks as a you know nine ten year old. That was like hitting the lottery, right? So I said, wow, how do I do more of this? So it's interesting. My, uh, I dabbled in the dark arts. If you remember, um, Lycos tripod. Oh yeah. 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 So Lycos and tripod were where I got my feet wet with, uh, HTML coding and, and playing around with that. And, you know, I, I, that was way early on, you know, I've, I've kind of stepped away from that and I, I got into sales for a while and then I did some marketing and I found that there are a lot of things that, you know, I never thought in a million years when I came back to digital marketing, that HTML coding would still be kicking it would, still, it would still kind of be the go-to you know what i mean like it's crazy that that's still our like our language you know what i mean it's still still here yeah it's it, so it's important to have that you know from a developer perspective i do a lot more with like um digital strategy in terms of of uh, social media and and you know an omni-channel approach to, to digital marketing but if I know, if I've done my research correctly, you are big into uh, data-driven results and, and real analytics-driven. Is that right? Absolutely. That's that's 100% correct. Um, we're we're big believers of of you know data is the is the cornerstone of the of your success, right? And so so often we get into people's marketing campaigns and they're missing the data, or they have wrong data, or bad data, or maybe they have great data but they don't have the conversion tracking set up, and so. Um, you know, re we really like to start with, you know, setting up your Google Tag Manager, setting up your Google Analytics, um, potentially installing a call fire tracking number or some kind of, you know, call event system or form fill event so that we can, you know, really um, effectively measure and manage, you know, the different channels and, and you know, start the foundation of, of the journey with the roadmap, right? And so many people are what we call ready to call, uh, climb the mountain and ready to, you know, jump into the digital marketing realm and and far too often right we we don't have a clear understanding or roadmap of of where we're trying to get and how we can get there and so yes. you know, as digital sherpas you know our our job is to know the terrain and and to really make sure that we have the right um, indicators alerts and and you know green flags red flags set up so that as we're optimizing the account we can you know have a, a some quantitative analysis around what's working what's not and and not only providing you know, insights around the SEO, but maybe their social media or maybe their email marketing, right? And when you set up Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics, um, they, GA4 is like the new version of Google Analytics of whoever, you know, here knows about Google Analytics for it's kind of like Google Tag Manager and Analytics combined. But long story short, these are tools that are designed to help us track certain events on the website, 
you know, and then the more classic uh, marketing, you know, levers like which pages are most popular and what's our bounce rate and where are people kind of navigating on the site. And so um, data really is the, the cornerstone and you hit on it a little bit, right, and touched on it a little bit in terms of the strategy and, and really painting that roadmap from, from kind of a, before you set boots on the ground, like, right, let's take a look and, and observe and see, you know, what opportunities exist in the market. Where are competitors really strong? Where are they not so strong? What's the low-hanging fruit? Um, you know, what are our landing pages, blogs, and content topics that we're going to need? Right, like your your content becomes your topics, which become your keywords. So really mapping that out and, and doing so in a way that um, you know is focused on on the most needle-moving aspects of of the business or of the um, you know the market itself in terms of what people are searching for and what kind of information they're looking to. Um, to obtain right really saves a lot of a lot of time and and headache. I mean a lot of SEO and people may or may not know this. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? And so when we're on that marathon, it's really important that you know every step taken is is in the direction that we want to go into, and, and we have the right you know data analysis and roadmap to be able to to get there in the the quickest, most efficient, highest ROI way possible. So obviously the the research and the keyword research and that sort of thing is very, very important. It's very uh, critical that you have uh, a content plan. Uh, I totally get that. I totally agree with that. And, and, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that you can use. And I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later uh, to do marketing research, figure out what your competitors are working on, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, with Google being the, the ultimate master of everything that it is, uh, I found that sometimes people can over-optimize, and, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit, but I also, and I'm sure you've come across this as well, I also have found that um, people tend to be so focused on, on building content specifically for keywords that it's almost like a huge waste of time because they're not really building any value whatsoever. I would um, start with this concept of, of you know, SEO is, and marketing in general is kind of like baking a cake, right? And in the, the early 2010s and 2000s, it was really about keywords and title tags and, right, like making sure that those were, were basically like 50% of the cake. Whereas today, the SEO is more like the icing on the cake, right? And so the substance of the cake is more of your traditional marketing, um, content marketing, right? Like having different experiences, whether that's a content, uh, written content or an infographic or a video, and so, one, there's different ways that people digest information, and Google's rewarding sites that have a have a diverse approach to that, right? So, I don't know if you've you've heard this, but like sites that have videos um, tend to rank, you know, five or ten percent higher than sites without videos, right? Uh, when you have like infographics or PDF downloads or guides and things that people can walk away with, right? Those can send some user engagement signals to Google um, that that people are dwelling on your page and they're you know finding things they like and clicking those links. Um, that's one of the more important factors is like, if a link's presented, how many users are clicking it, right? And so, um, right, it's important to have the right resource, the right context, and the right order and format. And so whether it's a link or a video or an infographic or a downloadable guide, right? Like we wanna make sure that we're providing the best experience for the user. And so yeah, back to this cake analogy, right? Like your your content marketing is your traditional marketing. It's kind of like the Mad Men marketing, right? Of, of the, the 60s, right, where you're really looking at more of your classic content, you know, AIDA, like attention, interest, desire, action, we can all kind of follow along with, you know, basic content marketing principles. Um, where people mess up is they try to create 
a cake out of icing, right? And they're they're like, well, well, we've got all the keywords in here. We've got, they're just trying a little bit too hard and Google notices that, right? And so over-optimize or, um, you know, they've, they've done a great job with the SEO component of it. They're just missing the substance, right? So I don't know if you've ever eaten a cake with too much icing, but it's kind of like, eh, this is a little too sweet, right? So users look at that, you know, just to kind of keep things in, in the spirit of this analogy, right? Users are looking at that content and making a decision about your brand. And so um, not only is the content important, the user experience of the site is important. We can kind of dive into that, um, you know, next maybe or, or later in the show. Uh, but the most important thing is, are we comprehensively covering the topic at hand or are we just covering parts of it, right? And so, you know, what I really encourage business owners to one, without needing any tools or any keyword research, like what are the top five questions that you get asked about your products and services? And th those could be niched down into the, the specific buckets of service that you offer, the specific packages that you offer or products you offer. So really doing a great job of, of just digitizing your in-person sales process will, will not only help you and your team kind of warm up these leads and, and mentally prepare them for, you know, the pitch, they're also, it's also going to probably save a little bit of time for your sales team, things like that. So digitizing that in-person sales process. And then you want to marry that with questions from Quora, questions from Answer the Public, right? Like do some research and read what other articles in your industry are looking at, right? And how do we, you know, start looking at ways that we can better understand what types of questions users are asking. We know the top five questions that, that people ask us, but there's probably, you know, five or 10 sub questions beyond those initial five that, that we can start to incorporate into our content. And so if we really look at the pages, how do we give the most value to the user? And that's the same approach that, that, you know, I think a lot of business owners embody in their business. Like how do we provide the most value to the client? That's the way we grow the business. It's the same exact principle with your website, right? How do we create the best experience, provide the most value? You know, only 10% of businesses are going to rank on page one. So 90% aren't even going to make it to page one. That means you really need to have an exceptional, high quality experience that that really touches on the questions, answers, pain points, desires, frustrations that a user um, would experience or that, that a user wants to, to you know, uncover, read about. And so um, prior to looking at your keywords, right, I think of it as look at your topics, look at your questions, understand like where this the customer is in the buying cycle, right? Far too often we're trying to hard pitch someone right out of the gate. It's kind of like, let's go on a date before we get married, right? Like let's, t let's provide some value and, and kind of, you know, take things a little bit slower so that we can then, you know, create that trust and create that brand equity that will then ultimately lead into um, a long-term relationship with the client or a conversion or whatever the case may be. And so, um, you know, it's not so much that like people are over-optimizing, it's just they're spending maybe 30, 40% of their time thinking about SEO. And really to think about SEO, we really need to think about content and how, we're going to build our pillars of content to to satisfy the algorithm. You know, Google's looking at what they call search or task accomplishment. So um, how likely is your page to solve the query of the user? And that really is going to come down to the the, the breadth or brevity, depending on the, the nature of the topic. Um, so the length of your article, the comprehensiveness of, of you know, your questions and answers and, um, you know, your expertise as well. Right. And so you know, far too often, again, we see situations where, um, you know, Peaks is, is more of a branding first, right? Like we have our, an in-house content team with, you know, exceptional writers that really know the niches and markets, right? And so whether you're outsourcing your articles or you're building them in-house, you really want people that 
have a clear understanding of the market, the pain points, you know, desires, frustrations, like it's, it's gotta be quality. Right. And, you know, if you, I would kind of do the smell test. Like if you know your industry and you read your articles, you know, what are, what's missing or are there any inconsistencies or is it just really generic and it's meant to, to be more topical? I would consider, you know, staying away from the more topical, like let's put a blog out every week just because Google likes it and start looking at, let's put out high quality content at scale. It's better to put out one really solid article than like four or five mini like moderate or like average articles, um, given that only 10% of businesses will rank really need to have, you know, best in class content experience. And so, um, you know, if you start there, you'll be on, on track to, to make it up the rest of the journey. Right. And then the, the SEO icing is just your headings and your titles and some of the areas that, um, you know, we, we, you know, traditionally know as classic SEO, like needle movers or lever pullers. And if you kind of marry the two together, um, and also kind of plan those articles out and use, you can use tools like Ahrefs and SEMrush and, there's a lot of great tools out there that can help aid you in this process, or you can, you know, hire an expert to, to just come to you with the whole game plan, regardless of what, you know, season of business you're in or whether you have, you know, in-house or not, you know, these are the things that I would be looking for when, you know, really getting serious about your content and SEO strategy. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you're on the show. You speak my language and you do it in a way that my audience is going to love. Um, you mentioned SEMrush. I have to say I absolutely love SEMrush. I use it all the time. It's a fantastic tool. Um, from you know, They have an SEO copywriting assistant that's super helpful. Um, they have uh, research. They have ways that you can uh, track what your competitors are doing. It's a fantastic tool. There's a lot of them out there. And since analytics has to play kind of a key role in developing a strategy, I could not agree more that you, you need to do do your research. I mean, you may be an expert on a topic, but you know you have to use tools. Uh, like you mentioned, you mentioned to answer the public core and that sort of thing. You have to make sure that you understand what it is that your audience is looking for uh, before you can really dive into um, giving them what they want. And I think that that's something that so many people, so many companies tend to miss when they're building out their content strategy, uh, especially on like uh, social media or whatever they'll just they'll post to post because like on social media you want to post as much as possible the more you have the better you do right on uh on, on seo that's not always the case i love that you're talking about value 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 because i'm a firm believer in value first always it's it's literally something that i preach like it's gospel and i have to say you know, as much as I am all about using different tools, uh, SEMrush is a great tool for this, um, and and using different um, keyword tools to figure out long tail keywords and short tail keywords, all that stuff. We talked about over optimizing. I, I am sad to say that I was uh, very unaware until very recently of Quora, and I've been doing this a while, and I completely I didn't realize just how valuable that is because you know you're right. You want to start with your key content um and and the the you know your top faq and build content off of that so that you can speak to your expertise but you know a lot of people myself included when giving advice and things like that it, i would completely not know where to go and so i'd use tools like answer the public i'd use things like google's keyword planner but then i i i would be at a loss um because you know 
imposter syndrome kicks in. You're like, I don't know that I know this audience as well as I thought I did. And so, you know, when you brought up Quora just now, I was like, ah, God, I I love that tool. I wish I would have known about it sooner, you know, because like I've been doing digital marketing for quite a while now. And Quora is such a fantastic tool to get inside the heads of people and and figure out what it is that they want to know and, and, and questions that they're asking or maybe afraid to ask the general public. Um, it's, it's just a fantastic tool for, for SEO and figuring out what kind of content to build. That's okay. Yeah. It's still relatively, it's a newer, newer platform. Um, and, and like answer probably has been out for 10 years. I think core has been out maybe five or maybe longer. Right. But it is becoming bigger. Yes. And it's, it's yeah, such a great I mean, tool. Yeah. I mean, but there's so many great tools out there, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the reality is that there's so many tools out there that it's hard to know what's good to use and what's not to use. So for example, I would love to pick your mind here and, and get you, what are your thoughts on AI copywriting assistance and, and things like that? I've had some experience with it. Before I dive into my thoughts, I would love to get yours, like the, the cheaters, if you will. So there's a, a stance on, on John Mueller, who's, who's you know, kind of the head of, of Google SEO, and he says that these tools are not approved tools, right? Now, to be fair, how can you really tell what's AI and what's not, right? Well, you know, we've used some tools like conversion AI, and we, we use them for things like um, very low impact things like reputation management review responses or something that's just very, it can be automated. And when you look at the content, and a lot of these tools are using databases from like 2018, um, there's a lot of factual inaccuracies in a lot of the data that we've seen coming out of these tools. Now, they're great to kind of, for a quick layup, like kind of alley-oop things, help you rewrite a sentence to make it sound better, things like that. Uh, I do think that over time, it'll be harder to, for Google to, to ascertain like what's AI generated and what's not. Uh, one consideration though and you you know we see this all the time in some of the facebook groups that i'm in it's like just wrote this article in 15 minutes like it's already getting hits right so there is a school of thought that says like this can work um i think it's more of of like lower hanging fruit niches or maybe in other countries where seo in these markets isn't as, as saturated um but truly you know i see it as there's definitely um like I know among our team, we're like, oh, will AI be taking anyone's jobs or like we'll be using this to like scale up our content team. You know, we have like four or five writers. So, you know, that's always like that kind of question. And the where I see it today is maybe in the next five or 10 years, it'll get to a point where, you know, Google or some of these tools will help you write ads and things like that. And the, the machine learning is coming down the pipeline no matter what. And I think it's exciting to be able to to, you know, create value with these tools. Now, where I think the tools fall short is a lot of them don't create substantial value. They create value in the sense of like, well, we were able to write 900 words. If you read the article, how accurate is it, right? Is there any original analysis? Is there any original research? Or, you know, is this literally just like recycled garbage from like other articles that just sounds good, right? And and I think where we're at today is this is recycled garbage that just sounds good, right? It's it's a shortcut. And I'm, I'm a big believer in um, usually the best way to do it is the hardest way, but we don't always have to work harder. We can work smarter. And so I'm excited for these kinds of things. I just don't think that, um, in today's market, and this probably will change over time, today's market, you can't substitute like a high end writer or copywriter. It's just not at that level yet. Now there may be, you know, Elon Musk might have something right that can do this, but right now no one is really at a point where, 
one, the, the databases that are being used are from 2018. Of course, new databases will come out. Um, it's just too, like I see that it'll mix up different brands and it just isn't to me and, and it's off. And, and we're the type of, you know, in the type of industry where, you know, good versus great is the difference between like page one and page three. Right. And so, um, you know, if you're not in a super competitive market and you want to use some AI tools to help you refine your content, these tools are a great aid. Um, I wouldn't substitute it from, from writing in your own words and your own tone and your own brand voice. Uh, maybe over time, these things will get more robust and smarter, but in terms of like having the tool just write you an article where I think we're several years away from, from something creating substantial value. Um, I do think that over time, just AI, I'm like interested to see how AI is going to influence SEO. And we have some, some ideas there, but on the other end, you know, you're not necessarily going to be, um, replacing humans, I don't think. And I, I do think that there's a possibility of that. I just truly believe deep in my heart that like, you know, you still need someone to check it. You still need someone to quality check it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not even at a point where it's, it would be quality check. It'd be like rewrite this, right? So, you know, as it gets better, you know, it, it uh, um, I'm not saying that, that people haven't achieved great results with this or if you spend the time, you know, you spend a couple of hours um, playing around with it, you can probably get something that, that looks pretty good. Um, but if you're thinking, Hey, I'm just going to churn out articles in 15 minutes. Like there are ways that you can do that. And it's kind of like a humble brag for people who have figured that out. Um, usually the, the content is like good enough, but it may not be enough substance or have the right accuracies. And, you know, I know my team has just said like for the time that it takes us to go and, you know, recheck and kind of do all the research, you know, we could just spend the extra, you know, hour or two and, and have the content written, you know, by someone that is actually uh, in-house, right? But I, I think there's possibilities there, you know? I just think um, we're not quite there yet and, and um, maybe we will be in five years, who knows? So I that's an interesting take on it. I will say, so part of the whole premise of my show here is that I like to test digital marketing things, especially if they're free digital marketing tools and tips and, you know, to see what works so that my clients don't have to. And I found that I've been playing around with copy.ai. I don't know if you're familiar, but copy.ai has been around for a while. I've been playing with that for about a year. And I think you're right. I mean, a lot of their databases are from 2018. So maybe the content, uh, like statistics aren't necessarily the best. But a lot of time, if you're trying to write about a topic that you don't know a lot about, I found, I, I agree with you, I don't think it's going to replace the copywriters, but I found that these type of tools can be a really great way to aid in the process of, of writing out and building content. So listicles, for example, or if you, if you want to know, if you want to create a blog about how to change the oil on your lawnmower, <laughs> for example, that, that's one thing that I found that copy.ai is really good at. And what's really cool is, you know, uh, there's uh, Sam Rush. We'll talk about that for just a second here. Sam Rush has a copywriting assistant where you put in the keywords you were trying to hit and it'll give you related keywords that you can put in to increase the value. And um, I've amazingly enough, when you put something from copy.ai into this, it tracks it as 100% original. So it's not just stealing ideas from the internet. It's actually building out original content with knowledge from the internet. So it's like open source knowledge, essentially. But what the real pain is, is that 
It doesn't cite its sources. So, you know, if you have a statistic in there, which is super important to come across with authority, there's no backlink for you. So you have to do the research anyway to build out the backlinks. You have to, uh, you know, obviously pictorial content and, and visual content is just as important as you hinted to before. So you have to come up with your own vi uh, uh, text, uh, I'm sorry, image content that you need. You have to um, come up with your own video content to go with it. And again, the cross links are a big part of it. And, you know, if you are, I know that anchor text is important in SEO. And so, you know, if you're trying to come up with a good picture description um, to go with it, you know, it's not going to help you with that. So I've found that it's a really good tool to help you in the process, but I agree it's not going to replace copywriters, nor should it. Now, down the road, will it? Maybe. But I've seen blogs that you write out and they are virtually indistinguishable from human uh, if they're used as a starting point and you go back and add in the important things like the H1, H2, H3. Um, one of my favorite things they have is a thing called the Freestyle Editor, um, and they have like a, a, a blog from scratch essentially, and you tell it the title you wanna go for, and you tell it the main points you wanna hit, and you know the main content you wanna hit, and then what it'll do is it'll generate an actual uh, outline for you, and the key points that it outlines, you can go in and edit in the process, but it will basically make those your H2s, right? And then, since each H2 is like a new chapter, and then you hit next, and it'll bring you the next section of content. So you can edit in the process. Then you export that to a Word doc or whatever, continue to edit, add in links, all that stuff. And I found that that really does cut down time, but at the same time... Definitely some benefits. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's 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 a place for it. And, and um, I wholeheartedly, you know, sync with you on the fact that it can really help you build at scale um and as long as we're not trying to to replace you know replace the 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 human in the process and maybe eventually we will right but the idea is that um you know it's more of an aid and i think that's a really powerful tool that that a small business could leverage yes 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 and like so many tools out there it's only as good as as what you make it it's only as good as what you do with it right so um, I, I do enjoy copy.ai. I think it's a fantastic tool. They're not sponsoring us or anything like that. But, you know, it does remove, it does remove the, the human element to it. And I think that's kind of, you know, peakdigitalmarketing.com, your website. I, I looked at that a little bit and I've, you know, looked at what you've done in the past. And I think that you have a really unique approach. So, you know, if, if the listeners of my show um, wanted to look at your team and talk to your team, you know, can you tell me a little bit about what it is that you do uh, in the process and, you know, how you would be able to help um, with that? Like, what's the what's the personalized approach? Say somebody comes to you with a fresh website that they just had built from somebody else and they want help. SEO. We'd love to help. Um, you know, we're a little bit different in how we we approach things. We really think that there's about six to seven core areas of of SEO. Um, and so what we do is we, we actually offer a full fractionalized team of different experts, right? And so it used to be like you just kind of need the content writer or someone that could help with the website. Now, today, it's, you know, obviously much, uh, much more comprehensive with just the number of people getting online. And so, you know, our, our audit process looks, um, looks at all the different areas of your website. So your content, your backlinks, your page speed, um, your on-page signals, your reputation, um, things that like, you know, your user experience and like the, the flow of your site and how it kind of interlinks and, and, you know, what kind of experience the user, you know, visually has across the website and how that stacks up with your competition. And so, 
Um, you know, we really like to say that, that, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint that said, we want to hit the ground running and, and find all the opportunities at the very beginning, kind of back to the beginning of this, um, this, you know, uh, uh, show, right. It was like, how do we, um, you know, know what the entire roadmap is before we set foot on that journey. And so our process is when we, you know, run an audit, we're looking at all six or seven of these things prior to even signing a contract. Right. And from there, you know, it's a bit of time invested. It really allows us to tailor our packages to the, the business's needs. And so, um, you know, we work from local business all the way to Fortune 500. And we see that, you know, having a clear, concise roadmap is the most important step. Otherwise, you're just kind of pulling at strings and guessing like what's, you know, hey, we need some content. But it's like, well, if your page speed is is a five out of 100, like it doesn't matter how much content you're going to syndicate, right? You're, you're probably not going to be in a position that your website's going to rank well. And for those of you who don't know, right, like faster sites tend to rank higher um, absolutely, and convert absolutely. better. And so, you know, we really look especially at, on mobile, especially on mobile. Right. And so we're looking at these kind of six to seven core areas, right? Your backlinks, your page speed, your content, your user experience, your reputation, um, you know, different ways that your analytics and the tracking and how things are set up and uh, competitor analysis. Right. And so we really look at this as as you do need an entire team of individuals supporting you on this journey It's no, you know, just having a web person or a content person um, is frustrating, right? As a business owner, you're trying to scale and, and, you know, to us, it's like, why hire, you know, one or two people that can only do one or two things, or maybe are, you know, jack of all trades, master of none versus having that full fractionalized team of experts come in and address all of these different areas within the first 30 days, start moving the needle in these different areas. So that by month three, month four, month five, there's a, a strong possibility that you could be on the first page or very close to, you know, getting to where you want to be. And so, um, you know, that's how, how we're a little bit different is, you know, for less than the price of one person, you can get a whole team full of people that are each experts in their individual fields, right? So analytics, backlinking, page speed, and we can help you improve that content, improve your page speed, redesign the site, whatever the hurdles or barriers to entries are for, for the success of your campaign then put together that custom roadmap with a few different packages, right? Like a good, better, best. And I think when- Okay, look, 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 sorry, sorry to, sorry to cut you off, but you just touched on something that I really, really want to ask you about. Um, you know, for those that don't know, Google has a great tool called the, um, I think it's called the, the page experience tool or something along those lines, but, uh, oh, it's the Google page speed index or something. But there's a great tool that you can use to check out the load speed. Now, what I've found, and for the life of me, this drives me crazy, Sometimes you get a thing where what's slowing down your page is actually Google's plugin. So... It's typically not Google's, um, not to like disagree with you, but I would say Google's codes will slow your site down, but typically it's third party resources that are being loaded that cause the biggest impact to your site. Right. So, right. Right. Okay, okay. So Google would be an example of this, but another would be like your Facebook um, script. Another might be, um, like if you're doing like a Reddit advertising campaign or an email marketing pixel, like any kind of pixel tracking code, hot jar, heat mapping, you know, um, you're using a third party to like, you know, we have a, uh, one example is like we have a site where they sell uh, fitness equipment and they have a split payment app, right? And they're on Shopify. So like typically the more apps, scripts and tracking that you have on the website, the harder it is to optimize for speed. Now, the cool thing is these are all solvable problems, right? Um, we've got a really awesome developer here, uh, Reese, and a couple other developers that 
um, all they do is page speed optimizations. And typically what we see is that, you know, third-party scripts are one of the biggest, you know, kind of uh, uh, biggest things that will turn your site into molasses, right, is if you have too many third-party scripts. And so Google is a third-party script, and you're right. Google's scripts can slow down the site, but it's really in how we load the scripts and how um, the order of which we're presenting the content. And so what a really great page speed optimization um, you know, job looks like is tweaking the loading order of the site to show content um, to the user as quickly as possible and prioritizing that load of your above the fold content and you know different elements that a user would first see um, first, right? Before we load, you know, our review widgets and our tracking scripts and you know things that are the chat bot, right? The uh, captcha that is only on one contact form on the contact page yet's loading everywhere on the site, kind of thing. So. You know, it's it's really uh, kind of a custom audit that we do, and then we we actually go into the code, um, and it's a testing process, right? You have to kind of, you really need someone that um, that is well versed in development to be able to test things, because the goal is, you know, to speed up the site without breaking any functionality. And you might find that as you're reordering the way that certain things load, you know, there may be other repairs and fixes that may need to be applied in order for that sequence to work correctly. And so, you know, page speed really is, um, it's really one of our bread and butters, one of our specialties here. Um, and, and one of the, the most important things that I would say in terms of a tidbit, um, just like a good starting point for someone is, um, there's kind of two things, right? Like your images, most people are optimizing um, images when they load them, but some people aren't, right? And when you save that file in Photoshop, it, it might be optimizing it. Or if you're uploading, you know, a, a picture from your phone, right? Like that image could be a couple megabytes. Like our cameras now are, you know, 10, 12, 20 megapixels, right? So, or if you're getting like that file from your designer, right? They're always concerned about fidelity and crispness and like making sure that it's got, you know, People can zoom in and see the detail, right? But there's a certain level of like on a phone, most people aren't going to be able to even zoom in that far, right? So it's really about um, having the right scaled imagery, making sure that you're not uploading like full res, like 5,000 by 5,000 images, right? Like these are are more of the huge, like big offenders that are easier to deal with. Um, once you get beyond that, right, it's more about, um, and, and right, like installing WebP compression, like there's different things that you can do with your images. So WebP is definitely a big component of that. The second thing is like Google Tag Manager um, acts as a container for a lot of those scripts. So, you know, instead of loading your Facebook script and your analytics and Google Tag Manager and Hotjar or, you know, Yotpo or some kind of, you know, insert third-party service here, you can just have Google Tag Manager and combine all those scripts into Google Tag Manager. Google Tag Manager is actually going to be, right, Google has these huge networks and servers and, right, they can communicate with Facebook faster than your your user's internet can communicate, especially if they're on like a 3 or a 4G, right, like having that Facebook pixel, like you're loading Google, then you're loading Facebook. So before your website loads, it needs to go to Google, then it needs to go to Facebook. If you just had it all on Tag Manager, all it has to do is load that one tag and then within that container you have your remaining tags. And you can actually delay those tags or have them fire on certain pages, right? There's different strategies where, um, you know, maybe you might lose a, a few seconds of data, but you're actually like getting rid of all the people that bounced away, right? And so, um, you know, delaying those scripts or waiting until they 
load on, you know, display on mobile loading. So like you can wait until the users, um, you know, the hero or the first part of your website, for those of you that, that don't know what a hero is, it's kind of the first part of the website that you land on, right? Does your Facebook script really need to load right away? Or does your yacht po or your chat widget, like probably not, right? And so we can delay those scripts. It wants to, we all want it to be instant, right? But, um, and that's kind of the thing is that when you go from like, an eight or a 10 second website down to like a four or a three or a two second load time on your website, you can, you know, double, triple, quadruple your conversion rate when you're going from like eight to 10 seconds from like two to three, or even just going from like eight to four, you can double, right? And so not only will you see less bounces on your website, you'll see a higher conversion rate and Google's going to give you, um, it's kind of like a tiebreaker in the search results, right? If if like there's all these great sites with content, but one's faster than the other, um, Google's going to choose the site that has the better experience, which is typically faster. And sadly, we're just impatient, right? We want things today and right now, and you know, yesterday. Well, I'm yesterday, so um, exactly. Okay, so you bring up some awesome points here. Um, let's talk about CMSs for a minute. So for those who don't know, CMS is a content management system. That's like your um, your Wix, your um, you know, I, I worked a lot with SiteViz for a company out of the Midwest. Um, most most companies, a lot of companies are familiar with WordPress. That's kind of the go-to for a lot of companies. And um, so how you use optimization and plugins on each of those can vary. And so their impact on SEO can vary. And sorry if this seems a little scattered, but one of the things that drives me nuts is when they charge ten dollars to $50,000 for really cheesy uh, template job. I can't stand that. It so frustrates the hell out of me because yeah, sure. It may look pretty, but if it's not unique, if it doesn't function the way that it's supposed to, then it's completely useless. And if you can't make it function and opt to optimize the way that you should. And, and in fact, this is one of the things that drove me nuts. So I've worked with, um, WordPress quite a bit before. And one of the things that always drove me nuts is that you'd have a developer who would build out this website and they'd build it out really well. Um, with specific plugins that they really liked, right? And and then their SEO guy would get in there and he'd add Yoast or he'd add something else that, that he really liked. And so you'd have all these plugins that did these different things. Well, if they're not regularly updated, then they cause interference. They can slow down your website. And on top of that, you'd have another developer come in a little bit later and they'd look at all the plugins and they'd go, yeah, you know, I don't really like that plugin. I don't like this plugin. Um, you know, and so they would instead of uninstalling the plugins or making sure that whatever is needed is transferred over properly, which is really a good idea, they would add their plugins on top of that, which sometimes would cause interference. So you'd go to the back end, everything would be glorious on the front end, but you go to the back end and you would just see this rat's nest, essentially, of plugins. It looked like a den of snakes, if you will. And that drove me nuts because it's one plugin on top of another, on top of another. And, and overall, that would be like trying to undo cords on the back of a TV uh, on Christmas, you know, it would drive me nuts. And, and the SEO impact of that being that, you know, Google's trying to read through all this unnecessary coding, JavaScripting, whatever. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, it's an absolute nightmare. So, you know, that really drove me absolutely crazy. And, and I would love to get your thoughts on, on that. Okay. I, I would love to get your thoughts on on the workaround of that, on whatever, just, just go, <laughs> just tell me what you think about, uh, about dealing with that kind of a mess. So, I mean, you, you said some, some really important things, try to limit those plugins. And when you're shopping for a website, most web developers are not SEO experts and vice versa. And 
sometimes you even get you know hoodwinked into that 10k website that they did just build off of a, a template you know we like to use divi and elementor in terms of our templates we find that they're um, clean easy to use they don't require a lot of third-party scripts they just have a lot of built-in functionality um, if you if you've already had your website the goal is to right try to um, maybe even hard code the functionalities of the plugins into the theme so that you don't need the plugin as a whole or limit the use of the plugin to to places where you just need that plugin to to, to go but you're right it can sometimes be frustrating when you when you have something that looks really great on the front end and it was everything you wanted and then you log into the back end you're like oh my gosh like this thing is like duct tape and bubble gum right a so, dumpster fire um this is a dumpster fire right so Step one, make sure if you're building a website that you get, you know, get some quotes or work with a team that understands the development side of it, you know, not just someone who knows WordPress. Um, two, uh, you know, you may find that building a site that's really easy to edit, like, um, you know, WP Bakery or they have like these visual drag and drop builders tend to be very um, code heavy. They're not super clean for Google to crawl. Uh, they tend to have a lot of JavaScript in them, and they're just harder to optimize around for speed. And so Elementor and Divi are good places where they're they're kind of the exception to the rule. But in general, if you're going for max speed, um, I would probably tend to avoid drag and drop builders, which does kind of compromise functionality if you're kind of a, a do-it-yourselfer, right? Um, that said, the benefits of having fast site speed will offset any cost that you would you know, hopefully offset any costs and I'm assuming your developer isn't like exor exorbitant, right, should offset those costs so that it may make, you know, small edits a little more tedious. Um, the other thing that we really love and, you know, on the topic of like first party platforms, um, Webflow is exceptional. Uh, we love Webflow. We actually have our site built in Webflow. I love WordPress and Webflow. Um, I stay away from Shopify and Magento, although Shopify has come a long way. The page, it's really not designed for core web vitals and page speed, although we can optimize for it and get it to, to a place of speed. Um, typically requires some additional legwork to do so. Magento is, is more your like enterprise grade, like we have like 20,000 products. And if you have that kind of website, right, it's pretty hard to move away from. So to people send, it's, tend to stay on Magento, but that's another platform that's a little um, more difficult or trickier to optimize with Webflow. If you're um, familiar with Webflow, it's very much like Wix or Squarespace. It is more advanced than those two platforms. So it's a little more like Photoshop when you log into the back end. It's kind of like a mix between like a, um, you know, like a Dreamweaver or some kind of like technical platform mixed with a drag and drop editor. What we see is the code is extremely clean. The site speed is usually um, out of the box pretty fast. Um, and it just makes life really easy. You can like kind of code and template things out. So if you have like, you know, you typically we build all of our sites custom, but at the bottom of the page, we might have like related blogs. Now, if we want that, those related blogs to go elsewhere on the site, since it's already built out, it's very easy to kind of code that in and say, well, you know, on my resource page, I'd love to have some, this, you know, related blog section here as well and instead of having to go and kind of manually recreate that wordpress you can do this sometimes as well but webflow makes it really easy to um you know have certain sections or elements on the site that um, can be templatized and consistent so that you're not like reinventing the wheel and just makes life really simple it does have a little bit of a learning curve um you know we've trained our developers on it and at first they're like what the heck is this but once they play around with it they're like this is awesome i don't know if i'd ever go back 
and when you look at the code, it's just extremely clean, extremely crawlable, fast speeds. Um, Wix has come a long way on their page speed as well. I think Wix is a good option. Um, you know, Squarespace tends to have more page speed issues. Uh, but I would say like right now for us, um, Webflow, I've seen some sites built in Duda and there's, you know, a zillion platforms out there. You know, I'd say Wix, Webflow are two great options that you can consider if, you know, you're building a new site or you're thinking about a refresh. Um, you know, WordPress tends to have a little bit more SEO optimization, right? You can customize it a bit more, whereas Webflow does not have as many third-party plugins and things tend to be, um, you know, if you're looking at integrating things, it's, it's you need more of a developer to kind of handle those web hooks and things like that for you. Uh, but Webflow is a really powerful platform that we, we um, recommend to our clients. Speaking of WordPress, and there is no wrong answer here, uh, you have to tell me straight up yes or no, do you like Yoast SEO for WordPress? I do. Good. <laughs> Good, because that was a lie. There actually was a wrong answer. Um, <laughs> if you didn't like Yoast, we couldn't be friends. Here's the deal. I mean, I, there, as we've talked about, there's a lot of different plugins for uh, a lot of different things on WordPress, and I'm a big fan of Yoast just because... But, you know, I'm not one of those guys that always uses Yoast um, or any other one. So maybe you can talk at some point about all the different SEO tools that are available on WordPress. Um, I don't know if we have time. For maybe we'll do a part two. We might yeah, do a I part mean, that two. would make a lot of sense. That would be very, very cool. Um, you know, I think that the, the tools that we use are super important when we're trying to optimize for SEO and that sort of thing, no matter what CMS we're on, really. But I do want to be respectful of your time. I do have one more question that I think you'll really like. So uh, which do you feel like, regardless of CMS, which is more important for overall SEO value? Uh, time spent on page or scroll depth? I mean, both of them are super important, but which one do you think is most? This is a great question. So I like time spent on page. Typically, you can see a correlation between time spent on page and purchases if it's an e-commerce store, opt-ins if it's more of a B2B, like, you know, business service kind of sales website. If you're a podcast, right, like, you know, people might just scroll down to that player and hit the play button. It's like, do you want them to scroll beyond that? And so, um, you know, I think there's, uh, the, the idea is you kind of want both, right? But the, the also the idea is, is you may, some content is, is designed to be short, right? So like some people won't, there won't be a scroll happening just if the topic is short enough. And it's pretty, you know, it can be all over the board, right? Like some content's gonna be super long form, some's gonna be super short form. What I would encourage is, um, you know, keeping people on the site as much as possible. So making sure that you have uh, like your links opening in new windows, um, that you're not taking people away from your page is really important. And I think you know, if you have like a podcast player and maybe you have like some resources at the bottom that you can share, you're like, hey, you know, we're we're giving away like a PDF guide of the top five things David said at the bottom of this article, right? And then you can kind of achieve the best of both worlds where you're getting someone to stay on that page while still getting them to kind of have that scroll depth. Scroll depth is important. Um, to me, it's more about um, like the pages per session, um, maybe inter interlinking with other blogs or, or other podcasts or other services or pieces of content on your website um, tends to boost that dwell time. So like typically, you know, three minutes, like two to three pages, three to four pages, like those are really good user metrics. Whereas if you see like people are under a minute, um, maybe one and a half pages, that's an indicator that perhaps they're not finding um, the, the piece relevant or they're skipping through it or maybe they don't like the format of it, right? And so 
um, you know, what we like to use is like hot jar or crazy egg to get some heat snap shots and see like what people are doing on the page, what links are interesting to them. Then you can actually set up a Google optimize AB split test, which is like another tool from Google to maybe test a couple different versions of your page and see how you can get that dwell time up. Sure. And, and, you know, as I've said, probably a thousand times on, on this episode and on other episodes, value first always. Um, I got to admit, you know, I do a lot with um, social media and you have to do A and B testing there. But I didn't know that Google actually has like an A and B testing thing. I didn't know that was possible. It's a rare one. Not many people know about that. Um, that's a really good tool. Yeah, I, I'm impressed with it. I mean, I really like, you know, Google has so many great tools if you really want to talk about it. If, if you use all of them, you can't go wrong. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you just have to know what they are. You can't go wrong. Yeah, as long as you know what they are, that's the problem. But I'm sure we can do a full episode on that. Listen, I don't want to take too much of your time. So what message do you have for my listeners? Steven, um, I, you know, I wish I could talk for another hour. Perhaps we, we will continue the, the value adds here. But, um, you know, really, if you're looking to take your SEO to the next level and, and you want a free audit, you, know, you can check us out at peaksdigitalmarketing.com. Um, one last little tidbit to take take a look at on your site is, um, you know, check for broken links, things that might impact that user experience. I think that's a huge um, opportunity for people that are, you know, looking to establish a stronger foundation or start doing some spring cleaning on their on their website. Uh, just one of those main factors, right? It's one that can not only impact your SEO, it can impact your conversion rate, right? Like you ever clicked a link and it takes you to a 404, it's like, oh, is this site legit or um, you know, and, and, and audit through that content, go through your Google analytics and take a look at like, what are my top performing pieces of content? What, where are people gravitating on my site to, um, kind of map out that next roadmap, um, of the journey, but, you know, feel free. Um, if you would like an audit for me and my team, you know, check us out peaks, digital marketing. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, David A. Finberg. Um, Steven, just an awesome, awesome podcast. You have some Thanks, man. Um, questions that I, frankly don't get asked a lot and I was I was really impressed with um, you know the knowledge that you had and, and the you know uh, amount of, of detail that that we could go into here and um, just a really fun time well listen David the pleasure was truly all mine I can't stress enough just how much I appreciate you coming on the show peak digital marketing out of Denver Colorado is the company the man is David Finberg. He is an SEO genius, and it's been a true honor having you on the show and nerding out with you a little bit. You know, the downside to recording here is that, one, I couldn't take notes, and second, I couldn't, like, add in an awesome, like, you know, laugh track or, I love that. you know, like an applaud track. I would be like, yeah, yeah, go us. You know, that was awesome. So much fun. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Steven. 